Welcome to the July 31st, 2023 episode of the Winning Never Sleeps Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brian O'Donnell. On today's show, it's a mock draft Monday, and I'll also be touching on some NFL news. But first, an ad from our sponsor. I want to tell you about a new company, FantasySportsDocs.com, doing something no one has ever seen before in the fantasy football space. I know that almost every league, including those that I play in, has a trophy, belt, or ring for the champion. FantasySportsDocs.com has come up with something that's incredibly unique, affordable 30 for 30 style documentaries about your league's playoffs. I know what you're thinking. This has to be expensive, right? Wrong. Prices start at less than $20 per team in a standard 10 or 12 team league. In fact, some leagues low $79, and that's an incredible deal. It has to be time-consuming, right? Wrong. It only takes about three to five minutes per playoff team per round where you answer a series of questions on their easy-to-use video interview platform. You can even do as many takes as you want before you submit your final submission. Just imagine it's your year. It's your first or your 10th championship. A trophy or a belt is nice, but you can't watch it again. It just sits on your desk collecting dust. You can't taunt your teammates from hundreds of miles away by sending them a link to the video just to remind them of your championship. Trophies and belts don't tell your playoff story, but a fantasy sports doc does. Check them out at fantasysportsdocs.com today. NFL News. Okay, so... NFL news for the last couple of days. Obviously, uh, we touched on Joe Burrow last time uh, in terms of his calf strain and how it was expected to be a calf strain as opposed to an Achilles. Mike Garofalo of NFL Network reports week one should be a realistic possibility for Joe Burrow's calf strain. From what I understand about it, it's probably a grade two calf strain, soleus strain, which is that upper part of your calf. Sorry, not the upper part of your calf, the lower part of your calf. Um, so not the the ball, but the that that muscle area right below it. I've heard it's a four week minimum type of injury. He does have about five weeks before the opening game, or about five and a half weeks. So my expectation is that he he should be fine. Um, but obviously, it's a bit concerning to see to see such an elite player with so many elite weapons tied to him uh, pull up like that. Tim Patrick, Sean Payton said the team fears Tim Patrick may have torn his Achilles. So Tim Patrick was lost for the 20 in 2022 because of a torn ACL in training camp. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk that they really liked him. Uh, the new coaching staff really liked Tim Patrick uh, and uh it's it's pretty sad for Tim Patrick um, that that he's now torn his Achilles as well. So I don't know if it really matters for the rest of Denver's weapons. Obviously, it, it helps Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, and Jerry Judy. Uh, I'm not sure it really has any impact whatsoever on Russell Wilson. Uh, I think that Russell still has a lot of uncertainty baked into where he's currently being drafted. Jets beat writer Connor Hughes says there's no timeline for the team to sign Dalvin Cook. So the expectation was, was that Dalvin was going to sign this weekend. He left without a deal, but he did take a physical. 
I I don't know what I don't know what any of this means for for the Jets signing Dalvin Cook. I don't know what Dalvin Cook is waiting for. I don't know if he's trying to wait till training camp is over with because he doesn't want to go through training camp. Like, I mean, if, if I was a player and I could avoid training camp, I, I probably would. Obviously, the concerns are guys who miss training camp typically have higher injury rates early in the season, right? There is such a thing as football shape. So I don't know what to make of Dalvin Cook. I, I thought for sure that he would end up signing. It is possible that he's just trying to use the Jets as leverage to sign with the Dolphins. But it's a huge question at this point. Alvin Kamara says he hopes to meet with Roger Goodell prior to any potential suspension. So he pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor charge uh, from a Vegas nightclub incident in early 2022. So while the legal issues are over and done with, there could be a suspension of some kind handed down by the league prior to the season. I continue to wait for this information about whether or not they're going to suspend him and when we should get that information. The likelihood is that there will be some sort of suspension. There is video of this incident and it didn't look good for Kamara. He wants to share his side of the story. I don't really know what kind of side of the story he could share though. I mean, it's him and a posse, you know, beat the crap out of somebody. I mean, it's what, what I'm not sure what they're, what there is to justify. Like you're a professional football player. You know that when guys do this, they get suspended. So I, I don't know what he's trying to explain. But from a fantasy standpoint, if you're an Alva Kamara owner, you're thinking about drafting him, you want the suspension to be as short as possible. Whether that's right or not is a different story. But the, the lower the suspension, the more likely he is to be drafted higher. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Pete Carroll praised his initial play in training camp. Quote, I couldn't imagine him not being part of the mix right now from the beginning, Carroll said. It just comes too easy for him. We're looking for the spots we can put him in, how to move him around and see how much he can handle. There's nothing that's holding him back. He's hitting it off with Geno Smith really well right now. Geno Smith also shared a glowing assessment of JSN. JSN is awesome. Like let, let's just let's just put that out there already. I know people are saying that it's hard to believe that he could have more targets than Lockett and Metcalf. But this was a guy in college who in the same in the same team as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave did did just that. Those are two guys who who are probably better if not they're equal if not better than Metcalf and Lockett. And this was the go-to receiver. He was the main target. Go back and watch the Rose Bowl that he played in. The guy was awesome, but he does it in a different way. He's like a bigger version of Amon Ross St. Brown in terms of they use route running. They're route runners. They're, they find gaps in a defense. They're really shrewd operators. Like Cooper Cup is not the fastest guy, but he's a target machine. Now, when he first came into the league, he wasn't going for, you know, 1,800 yards or whatever. When he first came into the league, he was 1,000 yards, right? He looked the part. I, I think that we've probably been too low on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I think that the reports out of training camp every single day, it's just more and more. It's like, this guy's really good. He's just really good. He's, he's always open. 
He just doesn't look sexy. He's not six, four and he's not, he doesn't have a 45 inch vertical. You know, he's out there. He's like six foot. He's running a four or five, but he's always open. Now talking about talking about Pete Carroll. So, but Zach Charbonnet needs to see a specialist about his shoulder. Okay. I guess he's going for imaging on his shoulder. He injured his shoulder. And then Kenneth Walker also picked up a, an injury. <laughs> so at this point, Ken, you know, we're firing up the Kenny McIntosh truthers at this point. Pete Carroll is, he is so excited that he gets to mess around with a third string running back. I mean, Pete might just turn around and start the season and say, Hey, Kenny McIntosh is our go-to running back the whole season. This is what Pete does. Just go back in time. Hey, let's draft Rashad Penny in the first round. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to play Thomas Rawls every single week. No, no, no. You know what? I know I took, I know I took a running back really high, but man, this seventh round pick is looking really good. This is what I know there's injuries, but all this does is open up. It opens up Pandora's box from a fantasy standpoint of what Pete Carroll could do because what Pete Carroll hates fantasy players. He's very similar to Mike Shanahan. Remember the results saying Mike Shanahan hates fantasy players. Kyle Shanahan hates fantasy players. Pete Carroll is another one of those. I hope Charbonnet and Walker are healthy as soon as possible and that we get a little bit more clarity there. I don't love hearing that a running back has a shoulder issue with uh, Charbonnet. You know, obviously, if it's like an impingement or something, that could just be a couple weeks. Uh, if it's something more serious, like he tore his labrum, torn rotator cuff, whatever it is, you could play through it, but it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's not something that's pleasant, right? We've seen Dalvin cook at times miss, miss some time because the shoulder keeps popping out. Like it's, it's uncomfortable. It's all about what you can tolerate pain wise. You know, every time you hit the ground, that shoulder is taking a pounding. Every time you, somebody goes to tackle you, there's impact on the shoulder. And it's just a matter of pain tolerance. You know, obviously if it's a torn labrum, that could be a different story where it's just the shoulders loose. And, you know, that, that, that adds a totally different element in terms of, you know, catching the ball above your head and, and these types of things. Ken Walker's issue is a groin injury. You know, Carol said he's hoping for it to quiet down. I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I love when a coach is talking about injury quieting down. It's concerning that Ken Walker is already injured. Remember, he went into last season with an injury and he finished last season with an injury. He's a very violent runner. So it's not surprising that he gets a lot of injuries. The problem is, is that he might be somebody who is prone to getting a lot of injuries based on his running style. You know, I talked about Thomas Rawls a few minutes ago in Seattle when he was in Seattle, that guy, that guy, that guy ran like every defender had just robbed and beaten his grandma. It was such angry running, but that type of running also leads to injuries. All right. So I buried the lead initially, you know, the, Jonathan Taylor, this whole saga, you know, he apparently asked for a trade. It became public uh, after a couple of days after Jim Ursay had made public comments about 
you know, running backs trying to renegotiate their deals and and whatnot. And, and apparently Jonathan Taylor had had talked to Ursay a few days earlier asking for the trade. And apparently he wants a new, tra- he wants a new contract himself. Keep in mind, he's on a rookie deal. You know, so he doesn't have much leverage in that sense. But, you know, Ursay came out with like, I mean, it was like, it, he was smoking some, he was smoking some shit, man. Like if I die today and, and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one will care. It was just like, dude, we're talking about, we're talking about a trade request and some contract stuff. And you're talking about if I die, like dying and if guys are out of the league, like it just like, it was like, man, you, you want some like hallucinogenics or something like we, we know that we know that Jim Ursay has, has had some issues in the past with, with illegal narcotics. But I mean, this guy was, he might've been on some bad trip and he, he did an interview. He went on social media you know, it's a bad recipe. You don't want to be going on a bad trip and, and, and be going on social media. The, those two things don't mix well. You say some stupid stuff. Just unnecessary stuff. And then now it comes out that the Colts are thinking about not paying him. Citing some non-football injury issue with his back that he reported. Jonathan Taylor denies that he showed up complaining of back pain, that there's never been back pain but he's not practicing right now. And there's no reason why he's not practicing. This is just a mess. And it doesn't seem like it's going to end well. And I don't even know how we got here. How did the Colts and Jonathan Taylor even get here? Like, it just feels like, is there an adult in the room? I mean, clearly with Ursay, there's not, but I, I just don't understand how they even got to this point. You know, we'd heard about the Barkley issues and, and and Josh Jacobs, but those guys were free agents. They had tenders. This is about a contract extension. And now it's all coming out publicly. And then there's like, you know, if you're not going to pay the guy because he's having a little bit of back pain and then you're citing, well, it didn't happen at the team facility. Like, what are we doing here? Are you trying to piss off your star running back? Like, what is your, what is the Colts goal? Do you want to give Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew a chance this season? Maybe you don't, but I don't know why you would draft a quarterback that high. If your plan is to tank for Caleb Williams, I don't think they're trying to tank for Caleb Williams, but at this rate, I mean, that might be the course that they're going on. Everybody just needs to make up, make peace and, and, and figure out the contract situation. Like give him some incentives, throw some incentives into his contract. Like make the guy happy. Don't let it impact your salary cap. Like there's easy ways to fix this. Okay. These owners are making money hand over fist. Yes, I understand that running backs are less valuable than they used to be, but they they do have some value. Okay, they put fans in the seats. You go around most teams, outside of the quarterback, a lot of running backs are the guys that people buy the jerseys of. Okay, I know that with the salary cap era, we have to value what's more important to winning, etc. But let's not pretend that a good running back doesn't make you better. An elite running back improves your team. Particularly if you don't have a great quarterback or great wide receivers. It's just not as valuable in terms of winning as a great quarterback. But 
should a guy like Daniel Jones be making 40 million a year when a guy like Barkley's making 10? Think about that. Daniel Jones is making 30 million more than Saquon Barkley. I would give all these running backs, if I'm an owner and I would say, hey, I will load up your deal with incentives. I have no issue paying your base salary. I will load up your deal with incentives, right? Here's 500K for breaking 1,000 yards, or here's, you know, here's 500K for breaking 1,100, 1,200 yards, whatever it is. Here's another 300K if you score eight touchdowns, like whatever it is. Incentivize the deal. These guys are getting their asses beaten every week. And they take brutal punishment. And it's like the lowest paid of the skill positions. Really? Cole Komet's getting 12 million a year. Like what planet are we living on? That's enough of my diatribe. I think the Jonathan Taylor thing will will settle settle in, but you know, that's just that's just where I'm at. Okay, so we got a mock draft Monday. Picking out of the nine spot, doing this on Yahoo's mock draft platform. So a little bit of a change up from last time. Last two times we did a mock, we went early in round one, trying to play around with some of these elite receivers. Uh, in this particular, this particular mock draft, I'm looking at the ninth overall pick, 12-team league. Half point per reception. So my number nine, my number ninth ranked player is Tony Pollard. Uh, it's I have Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard. So I feel confident that I'm going to get one of those. Obviously, um, you know, if you look at each individual platform, the rankings vary. Uh, I know that on Yahoo, the number ninth ranked player is Travis Kelsey. If I'm purely going off of ADP, the number ninth player would be Cooper Cup. Now on Yahoo, a player like Saquon Barkley does have a tendency to stick around. He's ranked 12th overall, so I'm much higher on him than than other platforms are or the other experts are, as well as ADP. You know, he's somebody who's as safe as a as it comes. So my target here will be a running back. My philosophy is always running back early and often. And hopefully we can put together a pretty good team. Now in this particular mock, I am going to try to target a tight end uh, with one of my first two picks. So I feel confident in that early second round. Uh, if I can't get uh, Travis Kelsey, I could probably get Mark Andrews in that range. And I sort of want to experiment to see what exactly a team looks like taking a, a tight end early and, and potentially taking a quarterback in round three. So first player off the board was Christian McCaffrey. Uh, no real surprise there. Sorry, Justin Jefferson went first uh, overall. Christian McCaffrey went second. And Austin Eckler went third. Jamar Chase, four. Jonathan Taylor, 
sorry, Cooper Cup number five. You know, Cup is another player who, from mock to mock, he he, he varies wildly. Obviously, I'm really high on him. Um, you know, he's back from from an injury that that honestly wasn't you know, it wasn't like an ACL or an Achilles or something like that, where I'd be really worried about him. Um, so right now my highest ranked player is still on the board is Saquon Barkley. Jonathan Taylor just went number seven, Nick Chubb, number eight. So at this point, I'm going to take Saquon. He's my third ranked player. And my goal is on the, the backswing to be able to get a tight end, but that's with the caveat of there not being an elite running back or one of my top running backs still on the board. So if a, if a Tony Pollard or a Derrick Henry is still on the board, when I pick at number 16, that'll likely be my pick. And we just had a run of Tyreek Hill, CD lamb, Bijan Robinson to round out the first round. And so as we start the second round, you know, there's, with some of these second round players, there's, there are some question marks that I, that I see. Brees Hall is a guy who, you know, he's on the physically unable to perform. Dalvin Cook left New York this weekend without signing a contract. I don't know what that means for Brees Hall. I'm certainly concerned if Dalvin Cook ends up signing there. So it's my turn now. My highest rank, highest ranked player left on the board is Tony Pollard. And he will be my selection at the uh, start of the second round. Had had he not been available, um, I probably would have pivoted toward a, a tight end or or one of the receivers who, at that point, uh, you had Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, and Garrett Wilson as my highest-ranked receivers available. Speaking of St. Brown and Waddle, they just went off the board at 19 and 20, Garrett Wilson at 21. So we obviously have this long wait. And I can, at this point, kind of go into some of the, the things that I've seen with AFC East running backfields. Ramondre Stevenson seems to be the clear-cut starter in New England. However, you know, I have to be concerned that they're bringing, you know, Zeke Elliott in for workouts. They've brought Leonard Fournette in for a workout. They've had conversations with Dalvin Cook. It certainly seems like they want to add another running back. Um, there's, I read that there's optimism that they might end up signing Zeke Elliott. I just don't know what to make of that. I'm, it's concerning to me if I'm a Ramondre Stevenson owner that the Patriots, seem inclined to bring in another running back. And I know that typically they go with a, a, the running back by committee approach, but if you're a Ramondre owner, part of his value is that he is the clear cut number one running back. If he's sharing a backfield with a Zeke Elliott or he's sharing it with a Dalvin cook, or like I said, Leonard Fournette, these are all guys who have experience in the passing game. They're all guys who, you know, and that's part of the value in Ramondre is that he is a really good pass catcher. But I have to question 
Is he going to see all the goal line work? Will that other running back have the same workload as a Damian Harris did, or will they have less? I have a hard time believing that one of those guys signs in New England and, and doesn't get a significant workload. So in this particular mock, it looks like the concerns about Brees Hall um, are, are the same as I have. Uh, he just went off the board number 31. My turn to pick here in the third round. At this point, I have two running backs. As, as much as I would like to take another one and make that my flex, I'm going to pass on the position for now, and I am going to take Mark Andrews in the third round. And on the coming back around, I will be targeting a wide receiver because I feel like I can get one of the quarterbacks on that next pick five, pick six swing. After I took Andrews, uh, Najee Harris had still been on the board. Um, you know, again, a player that I'm higher on than Mark Andrews, but given that I had already taken two running backs, I felt I needed some positional diversity on the team. So progressing to late into round four is my uh, pick at this point in time. The highest ranked wide receiver available on my board is Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen will be my selection. You know, I don't love the the wide receivers that are available at this point. We're down into my into the teens of my rankings of wide receivers. Um, Keenan Allen was my wide receiver fourteen. After that, the highest ranked receiver that was available was my wide receiver eighteen, Christian Watson. Terry McLaurin at 19, Mike Evans 20. So it, it was not a situation that I was in love with. And I wanted to get some security at the position. I know Keenan Allen is. I know he'll see a, a high target volume, possession-based receiver, and he'll probably end up with his 1,100 yards and six touchdowns, which is pretty much what he's been consistently doing for the last five years. At this point, in the draft is when I start to look at a quarterback, you know, looking ahead. I'm looking at a Justin Fields. If he's, if he's there, I'm looking at a Justin Herbert. If he's there, I have Herbert slightly ahead of Justin Fields. Uh, and I, I certainly really like what I've been hearing out of chargers training camp particularly with the performances of rookie Quentin Johnston. Um, if, if he's adding another target to, if he's adding another weapon, a significant weapon to that offense, when you factor in the Kellen Moore, um, Kellen Moore is, as the new offensive coordinator and what he had done in Dallas from a passing standpoint, it's pretty exciting for Justin Herbert owners, both fields and Herbert went at 49 and 50 to open up the fifth round. So they will not be available for me uh, when it comes to my turn to draft. As you know, I'm very high on Aaron Rodgers. I am 
beyond Aaron Rodgers, uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, would be my next ranked quarterback. I have said that I have gone into the season with the target of, I want one of the eight quarterbacks that I'm highest on. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of one of those games of, of chicken, right? Aaron Rodgers is ranked significantly lower in terms of ADP and ranking on the platforms than I have him. And in this mock draft, I want to see how long I can wait in order to take him so that I know moving forward, if I want to wait on him, at what point do I have to pull the trigger, right? I don't want to take him super early, just take him. I want to be able to try to gauge this and say, okay, is this worth it? So right now, my highest ranked wide receiver available is Christian Watson, and he will be the selection. So at this point, I've gone Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Mark Andrews. So I feel really good about my two wide receivers, two running backs, and tight end. They're all ranked, you know, within my, you know, pretty high on my board in terms of each position. To give you uh, an idea of who has gone in the last number of picks, pick 60 was 59 was Kyle Pitts. Uh, McLaurin went 60th, Godwin 61, Isaiah Pacheco, James Connor. So I'm still, you know, I like a lot of these receivers that are still left. I, you know, I like a Mike Evans. I like Brandon Ayuk. DJ Moore and Amari Cooper are uh, long off the board. You know, so this is the sort of range. This is sort of range where ADP ADP doesn't really matter. Individual rankings matter, right? I might be way higher on a Christian Watson than somebody else is. I might be way higher on a Mike Evans. You know, I might be willing to take Mike Evans in the, the sixth round, but someone else might not be willing to take him for another two rounds. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And obviously each individual person has wildly different opinions on players. Right. I'm looking at a guy like Rashad White right now, who's one of the highest ranked players available according to Yahoo. But for me, I I mean, I wouldn't take him for another 30 picks. Like I just don't see the value in Rashad White. He's not a player that that I think I I would rather bet on talent over situation. I don't believe Rashad White is very talented. And the fact that Baker Mayfield is the one throwing him the ball concerns me. I know that a lot of experts keep citing this stat about Baker Mayfield has the the highest checkdown rate to running backs or highest target percentage to running backs in the NFL last year. But let's factor in where he was. He played in Carolina and Los Angeles. When he got to Los Angeles, he had no receivers to throw to. When he was in Carolina, he had Christian McCaffrey. So of course his numbers are going to be skewed. With that being said, I don't, I don't believe in Rashad White's ability. I just don't think he's good. And that's, that's my biggest concern. So I'm still waiting on quarterback. Um, you know, Rogers is, Rogers is still on the board. He's projected to be on the board for a while. So again, I, I'm, I'm waiting here to see how long I can wait on him. 
There's a lot of quarterbacks in this range that that I like. I, I like Tua Tungavaloa. I am increasingly higher on Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. You know, the news coming out of Seattle's training camp with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba and how good he looks. If he's another weapon in that backfield, sorry, in that that offense, then Geno Smith's value only increases, right? At, if everybody's wide open, he's going to have a big season. Daniel Jones, you know, has had a real good connection with Jalen Hyatt, the rookie out of Tennessee, providing a, a real good deep threat. He got clocked at 24 miles per hour in, in practice the other day. Just to put in that perspective, you know, Tyreek Hill hit 23 miles an hour. I think that was the record last year. I mean, he's fast. Jalen Hyatt is really fast. So now that I'm approaching the flex position, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit longer on quarterback because I, I feel like I can. My highest ranked player still on the board is Mike Evans. So I'm going to take Mike Evans to be my flex. And Mike Evans for me is my wide receiver 20. So at this point, I have three receivers on my roster who I have inside my top 20. My two running backs are my running back three and five. So I really want to add some depth at this point at the running back position. And keep in mind as well, I talked about this a few weeks ago. If I'm a Mark Andrews owner, I'm drafting Isaiah Likely later on. Isaiah Likely is a good player. If Mark Andrews gets hurt, Isaiah Likely steps into that offense and should have a role within that offense, just like he did last year. Just go back at the game, go back and look at the games where where Mark Andrews missed last year. When Isaiah Likely played, he was a significant part of the offense. He's a good player. He might even be involved in the offense with Mark Andrews on the field. Okay, so now I'm, I'm looking for some running back depth. It's my turn uh, again. Um, the highest ranked running back available on my board is David Montgomery. He's my running back 26, and he will. I just want to make sure that that I'm not missing anybody here. Yeah, so David Montgomery will be my selection. The way I see it is David Montgomery should get a lot of the Jamal Williams work uh, that that existed in Detroit last year. Uh, he might see a lot of uh, goal line opportunities. It should be a good offense. They, I, I keep using the example of the old Saints offense with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray or whoever the running back was that was more of the hammer to, to Kamara's uh, Swiss army knife out of the backfield, you know, pass catching, et cetera. If that's what they view Jameer Gibbs to be, then I, then I think that it's really important to, I think David Montgomery will have value. I know he's not an explosive runner. I know he's not going to break 80 yard runs, but I just see a lot of volume opportunities and I certainly see red zone opportunities. He's a good goal line back. You know, and when I'm when I'm drafting for for a backup running back or a guy who I could potentially plug into my flex position, then I think he's got value. I think he's got a good amount of value. Obviously, I touched on uh in the news segment. A little concerning, you know, some of the players that I see on the board right now, still on the board, Zach Charbonnet, uh, you know, 
the, the Seattle situation is a little concerning with the fact that both, both Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet are banged up. You know, I, 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 I hope neither one of them are, are seriously injured. Although P Carroll did say that he's out indefinitely due to a shoulder injury. Shoulders are never good, especially for a running back. Uh, he has got to be seen by a specialist. It's concerning. It, it, it could be good for Kenneth Walker, but it's also, does this create a pathway for a Kenny McIntosh early in the year? You know, this is one of those typical Seattle situations where it just turns into an absolute, you know, it just turns into a mess. You know, there's, there's, there's running backs. And if you could just, you know, it's like fantasy whack-a-mole. If you can find the right guy, you'll do well, but it's about finding the right guy. That's the difficulty. Okay. So with my selection in the eighth round, uh, I took Jerry Judy. He is my, he was my wide receiver 33. Uh, somebody that, uh, that I think provides a, you know, I think, I think the, from week 11 on, he was wide receiver six, uh, last year. So there is some value there. I, I don't think he's an elite level player, but I think that he can have value if you're looking for some sort of rotational flex option. So in this particular situation, I feel really good about a Judy, Mike Evans, David Montgomery flex rotation, right? The likelihood is that I'm starting Keenan Allen every week. The likelihood is that I'm starting Christian Watson every week. Barkley and Pollard, the likelihood is I'm, I'm playing them every week. Okay, so at this point, we're getting Aaron Rodgers is still available. It's round nine. This is when I'm going to pull the trigger. Coming back around on my next pick, I'm very high on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I fully understand that he might not see a ton of work, but my idea here is that I have all my positions set. My goal here is that I'm taking a swing for the fence that this guy is otherworldly and he does what he did at Ohio state. I, I, I keep emphasizing the same thing every single week. JSN at Ohio state had 1,600 yards. That was more than anyone else on his team. To give you some perspective, the other players on his team at wide receiver were Marvin Harrison Jr., Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. And the guy who outproduced everybody was Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was injured for most of last year. He got injured in the opening game against Notre Dame. And that was an injury that basically followed him throughout the season and why he barely played last year. But if he plays all of last year, I don't think that people are as low on it. it the problem is he's not a sexy, he's not a sexy type of receiver, right? He's not six foot four. He's not going to jump over people. But every single day, go on Twitter. And just look up Jackson Smith and Jigba. There are highlight after highlight after highlight of him beating people with route running. He's got great hands. He's a great route runner. He was the best. 
I think he was the safest and most likely the best receiver in this draft. So that's why, you know, I have, I have high hopes for him. So at this point, Aaron Rodgers, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Christian Watson, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Mark Andrews, Mike Evans, David Montgomery, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Some of the players now going in this uh, round 11 range, we've started to see a little bit of a run. Javante Williams, Brandon Cooks, Raheem Mostert, Devon, Devon Ashane, Sky Moore, Dustin Carlson, Elijah Moore. So Elijah Moore, I think great value getting him in the 11th round. You know, pick 120, if you can get an Elijah Moore, he's having a good training camp. This was a guy who had a really good rookie year. And for whatever reason in New York, I know that he had a horrible quarterback situation. I'm not exactly sure why they traded him this offseason. Maybe they just felt like it was, you know, they would rather bring in the guys that Rodgers trusts. But really talented player. Second round draft pick in the NFL draft for a couple of years ago. Had a really good rookie year. Analytically scored off the charts his rookie year. But then Zach Wilson came. <laughs> it just, it was a mess. I mean, Zach Wilson, you know, the MILF hunter, like this guy was just a disaster for, for Jets receivers outside of Garrett Wilson. So as I go into my round 11 pick, there's two running backs here that I have targeted. Um, those two running backs are Antonio Gibson, who actually just went off the board right before me. So he will not be the selection. Uh, the other uh, player that I was uh, looking at here was Zach Charbonnet. I think there's, even though with the shoulder injury, the fact that he's my fourth running back and I'm getting him in the 11th round, it's worth the risk. So Zach Charbonnet is a selection in the 11th round. As I swing back to... The 12th round, you know, the highest ranked player still left is uh, Geno Smith. I am high on Geno Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm increasingly higher on Geno Smith, but I, I'm just in the zone of, in this range, I really like to take young receivers or young players who I think have incredibly high upside where they could end up being elite level players. So for me, the two players that fit the bill at this point are Quentin Johnston, Jamison Williams. Those would be the two that sort of stick out to me. And Zay Flowers, you know, a lot of the reports out of Baltimore is that Zay Flowers looks really good. In this particular instance, though, I'm going to go with Quentin Johnston because I think he has the quickest path to playing time early in the season. Zay Flowers, I think, will get playing time, but a little smaller type of guy. Uh, they'll move him around the formation. Um, but there's a lot more mounts to feed. They got Bateman, they got Beckham, Flowers, Andrews, Likely. They also have the running backs that they could potentially check the ball down to. 
there's just a lot of mouths to feed there. Uh, and Lamar still has his legs. He, you know, he's still going to run the ball. So, you know, that's why I went with Quentin Johnston, another receiver who in these, in this range that I'm really high on, and he's still available is Justin Ross. Okay. Justin Ross is getting a lot of hype. He's getting first team reps. He is killing chiefs training camp. Okay. He is absolutely slaying training camp right now. He was great at Clemson. This was a first round level talent. He was an elite prospect, a better prospect than T Higgins. I'll never forget that run to the, when they won the national championship, he, he won the game for Clemson against Notre Dame in the semifinal. And then they absolutely obliterated Alabama in the title game. Justin Ross was unguardable. And if you, like I say, fire up social media and I fully understand social media can be misleading. Okay. I talked about it earlier, but Justin Ross looks healthy. He looks good. And if he's healthy, he is the most talented receiver on that team. And it's not close. So at this point, I took Justin Ross with my 13th round pick. I got two picks left. Um, so with those two, I will do the the usual and uh, take a running back, sorry, a defense and kicker. Remember, my philosophy is to stream defenses unless I'm sitting in the 12th or 13th round and I think and I feel like an elite defense is available, then I'll consider a defense at that point. But otherwise, I'm taking, I'm looking at week one and two matchups, right? And I'm looking to see who's got the best matchups, what decent defense has good matchups in weeks one at a minimum and potentially week one and two. And that'll allow me to, to make a decision. Just to give you an idea of some of the players who are available in this range still at the posi at positional, uh, at, pos at, at skill positions. You know, we're still looking at guys like uh, Brock Purdy's available. Dalton Kincaid's available. Michael Gallup, Zay Jones, Jonathan Mingo. You know, the receiving, the receiving uh, is, is pretty thin at this point. But there are some running backs that, that have value. Guys like Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller. Right, so some of these young rookie running backs are going to be available very late into your draft. And so if I was if I was looking if I was still looking for a running back or you know another running back death piece, Kendrick Miller would be a great choice, Roshan Johnson would be a great choice. Might even take a, a flyer on a Leonard Fournette because at some point he will sign. We just don't know where. Guy like Tank Bigsby, if anything happens to Travis ATN, he should have value. So a lot of different things you can factor in late in the draft, but that gives you an idea of some of the players who are still on the board. Um, there are, you know, there were some pretty good quarterbacks that were available. Guys like Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, et cetera. These guys were available very, very late into the draft. I'm talking like rounds 12, 13. 
So if you could get players like that, that late, then it allows you to stock up and stack other positions. But again, I always go back to this depth is important because it allows you to withstand injury, but depth also creates headaches on a week to week basis. I would rather have elite players. So this is more speaking to people who play in keeper leagues. I'd rather accumulate an elite starting lineup. And then my bench is more of the solid contributors, the handcuffs and the high ceiling young players that I'm hoping can supplant somebody at some point during the season. So the last couple of years, an Amon Ross St. Brown, a Jalen Waddle, um, you know, several years before that, taking a Jamar Chase, you know, somebody who's high draft capital, young player that I'm getting in those middle rounds, and I could potentially, they could potentially be a you know a league winner by the end of the season. Might not happen in the first couple weeks of the season, but by the season, by the fantasy playoffs, that that player is is an elite player. Please give me a follow on Twitter at B O'Donnell W N S. And also please give me a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform that you listen on, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, whichever. I appreciate you listening and please tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, the more listeners, the, the better, um, you know, I, I'm trying to grow this as, as, as large as I can uh, make it and your help is, is greatly appreciated. So I will be back two more times this week. I'm going to go to a three times a week schedule. So uh, the goal is uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, during the month of August. So thanks for listening, and I will be back on Wednesday.